real quick. Can we just reach our hands out towards Jess? Lord God, this morning we just speak the anointing of your Holy Spirit over our sister. That there would be a spirit-to-spirit connection from you to her and and you through her to us, Lord God, that we would receive whatever it is you want to speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, good morning. I know everyone has said Happy Mother's Day, but um, Happy Mother's Day. I'm just really excited just to be able to be here and share with you guys this morning. Uh, It's a special opportunity just to honor our moms And as I was preparing for this, I was thinking, did you know uh, that honoring our mothers was, like, really important to God and and fathers, too? In fact, I think he might have been the one that actually started this special holiday. Um, There's a commandment out there that's called honor your father and mother. And um, it's really important because it's the only commandment that God attached a special promise to. So I thought we would just take a couple look at those verses as we get started. Exodus 20:12. It says, "Honor your father and mother, and you will live a long, full life in the land that the Lord is giving you." Deuteronomy 5:16 says, "Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord is giving you." It's like he repeated it twice. Ephesians 6, 2 through 4. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. I think God just gave us the secret to a long, full life. If you're a teenager or a young person in this room this morning, this is really important information. I mean, you're about to start your journey in life, and it's not a, you know, a guess like, will God bless me, or will God be with me, or will I have a long, full life? It's an absolute promise from the Lord that when you honor your mother and father, that you will have a long, full life. And so, before we get started, I thought we would do just that, that we are going to honor our moms by praying for them. So, if your mom is here with you this morning... She is just a special gift, so I want you to grab, your, grab her hand or uh, put a hand on her, sh- her shoulder, okay? And um, if your mom is not here with you today, that's okay. I just want you to sit and think about how special she is to you and all the things that you love about her, and thank God for everything that she's been in your life. So let's just pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for my mom this morning. And what a blessing she has been in my life. I thank you for the godly example that she has set for me. I thank you for every mom in this room today. And I pray that your love and your goodness will fill their hearts. I pray that they feel valued. That they feel needed. That they feel honored. May the promise in your word come true for us today. As we obey your command to honor that we will live a long, full life. And everyone said, amen. So this month we're talking about advancing the kingdom. And today we're going to look at how we carry Jesus with us everywhere we go. 
And I felt before I did this, just because I'm a mom, I, would, I just had to share at least a few good stories about my kids. I have three amazing kids. And being a mom is still one of the greatest joys in my life, but it's also been one of the most difficult. I never imagined the amount of love and sacrifice it takes to parent. It's something I never grasped until you actually have a baby. So I hate to admit this, but when I took our oldest son, Luke, home from the hospital, he had colic really bad. And I don't know if anyone else knows what colic is or if you've been around a baby with colic. Uh, it's maddening. It will literally drive you insane. Luke cried constantly. It took me a few months to like really even like him. I mean, I wanted to give him back. No, no kidding. I remember sitting in a rocker with my wedding book. This is when you kind of go mental. I had my wedding picture, and I was like crying that I was just so happy then. And now my whole life had been turned upside down and backwards. Honestly, um, it was really hard. You're exhausted. I had no idea how selfish I was. Luke would cry in the middle of the night. Jim and I would both lay there, pretend like we didn't hear him. We would just kind of hold out and see who would break first to go get him, and we would just get so frustrated. And um, we could hear every single thing going on in that room. We were wide awake. I mean, we heard if he whimpered. We heard if he, you know, the covers fell off. We heard everything. Uh, we were just not wanting to get up. Finally, when one of us would crack, we would literally put him in the car seat, and we would drive up Route 4 in Cincinnati until the kid went back to sleep. Okay, that was our life for about four months. It was crazy. And then our, our second son comes along, Logan, and he, he was a little stinker. He was just always into stuff. But what was really cute about Logan is that he just loved his little pacifier. I mean, he had it with him constantly. And what would happen at night is he would lose it. And if he would lose it, then he would start crying, and then we would, you know, have to wake up and go get him. But the funny thing about it, this is when you know when you're a, just a, a mother who sacrifices anything. He would drop his pacifier outside the crib. And I knew if he saw me, then we would be up forever. So I had to figure out a way to, like, get into the room unnoticed and get that pacifier, like, back into the crib. So I would carefully crack the door. I'd keep the lights on. i have the fan in the hall in the bathroom. I mean, you go through all kinds of stuff. I serpentine on my belly on the floor. I find the passy in the dark like a crazy person. Put your hand on it and flick it into the, you know, crib so he wouldn't know I was there. Okay? Crazy. This is what you do as a parent. And then our sweet little baby girl came along. And Gracie, she was probably about five or six years old. I was reading her a book before bed called God's Little Girl Is. And each page would have a virtue about God that was reflected in this young girl in the story. And so I'm reading her the book, and I kind of realize I start to see her kind of not along with me, okay? And then I kind of hear this, like, whispering or, or mumbling. And um, this is kind of what was happening. So I read the book. I'm reading a line. It says, God's little girl is kind. And I see Grace just kind of nod her head. God's little girl is loving. 
And I'd see Grace kind of nod her head, and I'd hear her say, yep, that's me. God's little girl is giving. Yes, yep, that's me. God's little girl is hardworking. Nodding again, definitely me. Okay, at the end of the book, Gracie looks up at me and says, Mom, was this book written about me? <laughs> oh, is that the most cutest thing you've ever heard? I was so blessed. But what is so amazing about this, if we can just really grasp that we are God's kids and just be so confident of the impact that he can have on our lives and how it affects us, it was just such a beautiful reminder and today we're going to look at the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I chose Mary not just because it's Mother's Day, although like it fits perfectly. It's because I listened to a message given by Christine Kane. And she told this story about Mary in a way I never heard, and it really, really impacted me. And uh, it gave me a totally new perspective on Mary and how God had used her. So I wanted to share it with you today. And just to give you a little background about Christine Kane, she is just an amazing uh, woman of God. But, I mean, her life started off abandoned in a hospital, unnamed. And uh, she went through adoption and all kinds of um, very difficult times. But God had placed his purpose and his destiny on her life in a very powerful way. And today, she leads a ministry uh, overseas for children and women being uh, rescued from sex trafficking. She has an amazing story of God's favor on a life. And that's exactly what happened to, Ma to Mary. God's favor was upon her. You see, Mary's destiny in life was to carry God. Wow. I've heard this story my whole life. But some, something just sparked inside of me. It's like the Holy Spirit just alerted that. As soon as I heard those words, that Mary's destiny in life was to physically carry God. Can you imagine? Nothing else seems important after that. I mean, God, to carry God, that would be the most important purpose in life. And I think for you and I, that same destiny is true. Our destiny is to carry God into our generation right now. So that's where we're going to begin today. We're going to read the story of Mary. You guys can follow along on the screen, or uh, if you've got your Bible with you, we're going to look at the text of Luke chapter 1, verses 27 through 35. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in the town of Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and you will give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. 
The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, who is your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She was said to be unable to conceive, but is now in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. And the angel left her. Now, this is a powerful encounter, and we're going to unpack some of this this morning. But think about this. Mary is pledged to be married, okay? She's about to become a bride, a wife, not a mother. The last thing she's thinking about is having a baby. I mean, she's planning her wedding, but the, but the Bible says that Mary found favor with God, and not just because Mary had favor did it mean that Mary's life was about to become perfect. In fact, it was far from perfect. The favor, on God, the favor of God on Mary was not going to be for her status, a new station in life. She wasn't about to move into a palace. She wasn't given a new title. The favor of God on Mary was so that God could fulfill his purpose, which was to die on a cross and provide salvation for all of humanity. The favor of God on Mary was actually about to mess up her life. He interrupted her plans. He substituted her plans for his his plan and his purpose took number one. Can you even imagine what life would have been for her in that moment? Being a young girl, no one was going to believe she was a virgin. I mean, can you imagine going to her parents and saying that I had an encounter with an angel and I'm going to carry God? That would be hard to take as a parent. She was thrust into motherhood, a full-time commitment, and she was just a young girl. But her love and obedience for the Lord took over, and she gave a very simple answer. I am the Lord's servant. May his will be done. You see, the favor of God is not for status. It's not for blessing. It's for God's purpose. Favor doesn't always equal blessing, even though it can. But favor given from God is so that his purposes are fulfilled on the earth. You know, we also think of favor as that it's always going to be, maybe I'm going to have a big family, or maybe I, I'm going to have a great job, or I'm going to have health or wealth. But God's favor on a life, on your life, on my life, is to accomplish his purpose in the earth with you and through you. 
God's favor has to do with opening doors for us so that we can carry him to our spheres of influence on our generation. And we all know that this generation needs the Lord. Okay? This is very important. It is our job to carry. Our job to bring Jesus to our generation. I'm sure that Mary had a million questions. I'm sure she had a million fears. And the angel appeared to hear, what did he say? Do not fear. I mean, it's obvious. One, one of the reasons she could have been so afraid is the fact that she's sheer size of an angel that just appeared and started having this conversation with her. I mean, who knows? Maybe he was normal, but what if he was big? What if he was magnificent? What if he was full of light? We don't know, but we know an angel appeared. Maybe he said, do not fear, because he knew how much Satan uses fear to cripple us from doing what God has purposed for us to do. He did not want fear to overtake her in that moment or possibly sabotage God's plan in her life. He didn't want to give her mind time to run and think of all the negative outcomes of all the reasons that she should say no. The angel wanted her to know a couple key things that God had chosen her, she was favored, and that he was with her. Fear is our greatest enemy to our potential in God. Fear. Fear stops us right in our tracks. Jimmy told me a story once, and I, it came to me this morning, actually, about uh, one of his, he loves Miami Dolphins, Jimmy does. And uh, Miami Dolphins had a um, quarterback called Bob Greasy. And he had an interview once, and he told him how fear had just gripped him, so much so that he completely lost his confidence. Here was a star quarterback, and he couldn't even throw a pass. Fear had just taken over. Fear keeps us safe in our comfort zone where we want to be in control, in control, where we know all the answers and we know what the outcome will be. It's not safe to step out on the boat. Don't get on the field. Don't ruffle any feathers. But what are some things, let's just pull them out. What are some things that really keep us from sharing Jesus with those around us. What are some of our fears? Fears that uh, we won't be liked or accepted, maybe? I mean, we face that at every age. I don't care if you're 5, 15, or 35, or 55. Everyone wants to be accepted. Everyone wants to feel like you're a part of a group, right? But guess what? People are always going to not like you for any kind of reason. So we can just take that one right out. What about being misunderstood or that you're going to fail or you're going to let God down? Not possible. Can't let God down. He just wants your obedience. What about um, fear of our past? Oh, what if they find out the things I've done? What if they say, what if I have to talk about that? You know what? Everybody's got stuff. Everybody. We all have stuff we've messed up on and wish we could take back. Everybody. So that takes that fear right out of the list. No one's worse in God's eyes 
We're all the same. We're his kids. What about the fear of talking to people or that you're not educated enough? Listen, none of God, hardly any of the disciples that, that Jesus called to be his were educated. They were fishermen. They were common people just like you and I. The fear list can have no end. These are all very true fears. These are all things that all of us struggle with. But what if, just what if, we trusted God's plan instead? What if we had that same type of obedience like Mary that just said, you know what, God? I'm your servant, and I'll do it. For some reason, which I fully don't understand, God always chooses to use simple people like you and I. All through the Bible, missionaries today, you and I today, on job sites, in our homes with our kids, in the car, God chooses to use you and I. We are the Lord's servant. And may everything that God has planned for us to do, may we do it. Wow. Even when you don't understand, even when you don't know the outcome, you can say, God, here I am. I am willing. And I came across this little acronym. Um, I think it was on Facebook. It was fear, F-E-A-R. Forget everything and run, or you can face everything and rise. I thought that was, like, pretty powerful. When Mary accepted her assignment, she didn't run. She rose to the challenge. She wasn't given a schedule, a timeline, a game plan, or details of what the next couple of days, months, or even years would look like. And that is really hard if you're a woman because we need our details that is so important. We love details, but she just agreed to trust. And I thought about this. Mary was human. She was just like you and I. She got tired. She got cranky. She got mad. She got her feelings hurt. And I know this because of a story, and we're going to read it, about Jesus when he was 12. This is like the preteen stage. And if any moms have been there in the preteen, pre-teen stage, you know how hard it is. And if you haven't yet, you know, you better buckle up because <laughs> it's hard. Um, but anyways, um, we think that Jesus, you know, everything was just honky-dory and everything was perfect in their home and there was never any distress. Wrong. Luke 2, 41 through 52 says, Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among relatives and friends. And when they couldn't find find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three Days later, they finally discover him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding. His parents, they don't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? 
Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. Has anyone ever lost a kid? It is the worst feeling in the whole world. You're mad, you're sad, you're angry, you want to hit them, you want to love them. It's just like all those emotions all at once. But here's Jesus's reply. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Now, the only way I can say this about Jesus, that it wasn't like a little smart aleck, because if my preteen said that to me, I, after searching for three days, I just want to like whack them. Okay? But I go back to this is a preteenage 12-year-old brain. He, they don't understand all these feelings and emotions and us what us parents go through. That's the farthest thing from his mind. What is he doing? He's having a good time talking about Jesus or his father in the temple, answering people's questions. And like, he's like into it. He is oblivious to the fact that his parents are just literally going crazy for three days. So when Jesus said, didn't you know I must be in my father's house? It says, the parents, Mary and Joseph, but they didn't understand what he meant. When he returned to Nazareth with them, he was obedient to them. He must have felt bad. I mean, they put that line in there that he was like really obedient. I'm like, he must have felt really bad about what he did. And the mother and his mother stored all these things in her heart. It says Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and there's that word again, favor with God. And we all know what that favor meant. Favor of God on Jesus meant that he was going to die on a cross. We can see from Mary's text, she was obviously very upset and hurt. I mean, her son was gone for three days. And Jesus' response, honestly, was probably kind of hard to take, too. I'm sure she was excited to find him, proud so proud of him to see him ministering at such a young age and to be able to sit there in amazement and see like this encounter that he's having at 12 years old, like teaching these other people in the temple. I'm sure she was amazed. I'm sure she felt protective. I'm sure she felt possessive, worried, frantic, angry. She probably wanted to cry. All these emotions all at one time. So moms, she was just like you and I. I'm sure if she was with us here today, she would admit experiencing all these same feelings. But I think what Mary would also tell us is that if we, when you fully don't understand the whole plan, she says she treasured them in her heart. Even when she didn't understand, she treasured what God had said in her heart. And her love for God was more than her fear. I think that's an important lesson for all of us, is that we just need to love God more than our fear and be obedient. Now, if you've grown up in a strict household like I did, if my dad said something, there was a little mix of fear, but we, there was obedience. <laughs> we didn't think about it. He said it. And I think that's important because when we just need to trust God that's that much as our father, that when he says something, we can trust him and we just need to obey, okay? 
Moms, you know this, that during a pregnancy, our bodies, they, they change a lot, okay? Our bellies stretch out. We get uncomfortable. We have crazy cravings. We can't sleep. We come, become very noticeable. Uh, likewise, when we say yes to God, we're going to be very stretched. We're going to be challenged in ways we never expected. We're going to grow in our faith. We're going to encounter unexpected things, and uh, we will be noticed because when the light and love of God is in you, you stand out. And the truth is, when he is in you, you are carrying God, okay? And you have the opportunity to birth him and to give him away to those around you. We have the opportunity to carry God and give him into this next generation. We all have been called to carry God. Mary, she took the first baton, and she has faithfully passed it down generation to generation to people just like you and I. And now it's time for us to take the baton. God is asking us the question, are you willing to carry me into your workplace? Are you willing to carry me to your children, even when it's hard? Are you willing to take a stand for righteousness? We need to take the baton and become dangerous against the enemy in this generation because this generation needs God. It's time to say that I'm the Lord's servant, and everything that you have purposed for me to do, I will do. I will be obedient. You guys remember the movie? I'm not sure which one it was, but it said, uh, your assignment, should you accept it, or something, or something like that. This mission impossible. This isn't an impossible mission, but it is a mission. The assignment, should we accept it? is to carry God to our generation. It's to allow Christ to come inside your heart and life. Allow him to dwell there, to stretch you, make you stronger, make you alive in him, so that you become this bright light to the world. In our text, it says, the angel said to Mary that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and would overshadow her. And the power of the Most High would overshadow her. Isn't that amazing that God put that same exact plan in place for you and I? Let me explain. Acts 1.8, when the, when the people were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come up in the upper room, Jesus said to sit there and wait. And in Acts 1.8, it says, but... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Just like the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and overshadowed her and gave her the ability to carry God, the Holy Spirit comes upon you and I when we accept him as our Lord and Savior. And he is the one that gives you the power to be the witness that he has called you to be. Jesus does dwell in you. He dwells in you. And he gave you the Holy Spirit to empower you. Matthew 5, 14, 15 says, you, you and me, you are the light of the world. You are a city 
on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Jesus says it's you and me. We are the light of the world. We shine in the darkness. We bring his truth. He lives inside of you, and maybe you don't realize it, but there's a glow about you. You have the truth. You know right and wrong, and our world needs truth. The baton has been passed to you and I, and we have the opportunity to carry Jesus into our sphere of influence. See, my sphere of influence is different than yours. I'm in a, I'm in a flooring store during the day. I don't know if you're at a table with your children for homeschool and you're putting the word of God in them. I don't know if you're an engineer and you're sitting at a computer and talking with people. I don't know what you do, but you have the power to carry Jesus to your sphere of influence. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 says, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? The Holy Spirit is a gift given to us by God. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. As we close this morning, I gave a lot of extra time because there's a lot of extra points that I want us to give time to examine our hearts. And we are going to have the prayer team on, this, on the, all the sides that are available for you to pray. And I want to encourage you today, if you need prayer or as we talk through some of these things, don't hesitate to come. Don't think about it. Don't be full of fear. Just respond as the Lord prompts you. If you felt like you have lost your purpose and your destiny, or you feel like your light is not shining very bright, Jesus wants to restore that. He wants to draw you close to him. He wants to fill you with his love. So if you don't mind, if we would just close our eyes and have you examine your heart. If you need your purpose and your destiny turned over to God, I want to encourage you to just get up out of your seat. You can come to an altar or you can ask someone to pray for you, but you can ask, God, I want your favor I want to do everything that you have called me to do. Maybe you're a mom here. Maybe you've got little babies and toddlers, but you're overwhelmed and tired all the time. Life is hectic. You feel scattered and again, lost in your purpose and in your destiny. Maybe you are a parent and you feel like you're failing. 
Maybe you're not connecting with your teenager or your son or your daughter like you used to. Maybe there's conflict and there's frustration there. You know what? God cares about it. If you have a son or a daughter that's just breaking your heart, talk to God about it. Get someone to pray with you about it. Prayer works. And there's nothing like a mother's heart. Maybe you're a mother and you weren't ready to be. Listen, God can turn every situation, whether you feel like you started off wrong. It's okay. God can turn everything for his good and his purpose. If you're a teenager here today, or you're a young adult, you just don't know where to start. You feel kind of lost in life. Maybe you feel like you've let your parents down or you've hurt them. You don't know what to do about it. You know, it's really hard when you're a kid to say you're sorry. And no one's ever going to love you more than your mom and your dad. If you are a young person here, I encourage you, make it right today. You know why? Because there's a promise attached to it that says, if you honor your mother and father, you will live a long, full life. If you feel lost and you're not sure what you're doing or where you're going in life, this is where you start. You make things right. So I would encourage you to get prayer. Grab your mom and dad today talk to him. Maybe you're an empty nester. Your children are all grown up and you're just wondering, oh, my life's over. What's next for me? God still has a purpose. We said in a, we read in our text today, Elizabeth was like a hundred and she fulfilled God's purpose she gave birth to a baby. That's amazing. God can do anything at any age. Age doesn't matter to God. And no matter what place you find yourself in, you know, your influence matters. Your wisdom matters. And God can use you. God has a plan and a purpose for you at no matter what age. And lastly... Maybe you're here this morning and you just have not surrendered your life to the Lord. And you know deep down inside that you want Jesus in your heart, that you desire him in your life. If that is you this morning, would you please just raise your hand? just going to pray over all of you and bless you today. Dear Lord, I just thank you for every person here. 
I thank you for your word. I thank you how you lived out your will and your purpose through the lives of people like you and I. Lord, I pray that we would grasp your presence, your Holy Spirit, and the power that you have given us and how it dwells inside of us. Lord, I pray that you would fill every heart here today with direction, that you would show them how they can influence the people around them, how they can carry you into their generation. We thank you for our mothers. What a blessing they are. And we say to you, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Well, before we leave today, I just want you to stand to your feet. Maybe raise your hands up. And we're going to say a word of blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may his face shine upon you. May his love fill your heart. May you carry Jesus to your sphere of influence. May you be blessed. May you honor your mother and father. And may you live a long, full life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Have a good day.